0: Okay, we jump back in here at 20 minutes after the hour. And uh, just to make sure we have time, I want to go ahead and get into our Bible study uh, for this Wednesday evening. And uh, those that join us at 6:30 they can uh, we'll catch them up a little bit, okay? Uh, but uh, we do this on Wednesday evenings, uh, most every Wednesday evening. We try to. Uh, we figure if you're out uh, driving from uh, at this time of the, the evening on Wednesday, you're probably not making it to a church prayer meeting, Bible study or small group. Whatever it may be, so we can provide you some uh, some Bible study during this time. I think it's uh, good to do so. Well, a a very important and controversial uh, issue—it's in the news continuously—is this uh, issue of this broad issue of immigration. Uh, It's been an election issue now for uh, well, a big-time issue for the last two presidential election cycles. Uh, You know, really going back to Trump in 2016, build the wall, you remember. Uh, Then, of course, after Biden was elected, uh, he did away with uh, all of the uh, executive actions that Trump had taken and enforcement issues. And, you know, uh, the political side of it is all there Uh, and it's everywhere. And of course, our country is our border is being flooded and it's being allowed to happen. So it's a big issue. It's a big issue. Uh, Did you know the Bible talks about these issues, though? Uh, we can go all the way back in the Old Testament, and, and I'm going to share quite a bit of Scripture here, and I'll, I'll try to comment as I go. And I hope I can, you know, say everything correctly. I got there's a lot to say here, so um, I probably won't address some things as as well as you'd like for me to, or, or as deep as you'd like. But hopefully, we can give you some kind of broader understanding. It was after the flood in Genesis. Uh, God restated a mandate he had given originally in the garden of eden and that was for man to uh, multiply and fill the earth but as generations followed man sort of rejected that mandate and rather they dispersed and uh, and sort of demonstrated a self-governance under god and the people gathered at the tower in the city of babel genesis chapter 11 and their mission was really an empire of rebellion. They wanted a one, really what they were going for was a one world centralized government under man. Uh, they were not multiplying and filling the earth. They were congregating in one place and building a tower uh, of, of man's greatness and, uh, and, 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 and doing it in rebellion. And of course, we know that God confused the language and uh, and then they dispersed across the earth, uh, as God had said to do was to multiply and fill the earth, not not one place but fill the earth. Uh, a lot of people think it was a uh, Nimrod, who we read about in Genesis chapter ten, a mighty man of violence, who led this uh, enterprise of the Tower of Babel, to uh, to lead a one-world government with uh, really unlimited tyranny, and so God divided the single language that they were speaking at that time into many languages and confuse them caused confusion. And people began to migrate uh, to different parts of, of the planet. And uh, the, that ended the, uh, the tower construction uh, at Babel, you know, worldwide unity was God's original intent. That, that was the way God planned it out. One world unity under his authority, uh, one language, one people living out uh, a wonderful existence under God's authority, but of course, uh, sin uh, did not allow that to happen. Rebellion, uh, a lust for uh, for power, does not did not allow that to happen, and so these separations formed different. Uh, eventually, formed different nations, and um, we uh, you know we read about all of this in Genesis chapter. One, and uh, it talks about, uh, now I've kind of given you, but let's read some of it. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. So there you go. That was God's plan. And then people moved eastward and they found a plain of Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used the bricks of stone and tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered all over the whole face of the earth. See, they didn't want to do that. They were not doing what God said. A one world centralized government is what they were going for. But the Lord came down to see the city and the uh, the tower and the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. He knew the potential for ultimate rebellion and it would not be for their good. He said, come, let us go down and confuse their language and so they will not understand each other. And so the Lord scattered them all over the earth and they stopped building that city. And uh, that is why it is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world and from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So here we see that national separation that we have today. Uh, It wasn't God's original plan, but God ordained it to protect uh, his creation against man's lust for ultimate power. So again, God's original plan was for all people to live together as one family, with one common language all throughout the earth. Uh, and that had been the plan since the Garden of Eden. Uh, but um, man wanted to self-govern under their own authority and this, sought this Babel-like solution. So what are some other scriptures as we move forward? That sort of gives you the basis. What are some of the other scriptures as we, uh, as we go. Well, let me just read some Leviticus tells us if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would keywords, a foreigner and a stranger so they can continue to live among you. Do not take uh, interest or any profit for them, but fear your God. So they may continue to live among you. Now, this is if they become poor and are unable to support themselves among you. Treat them as you would a foreigner and a stranger. Deuteronomy 23 uh, talks about uh, uh, slaves and and oppressors. And it tells us that if slaves, really it's foreigners, okay, uh, should escape from their masters and find refuge with you, don't hand them back over to their masters what's the interpretation of that it basically says if someone is escaping oppression and abuse you don't turn them right back over to their abusers and so when we see true refugees escaping from their oppressors and asking for help uh, we as christians should help them and there's many ways we can help and protect them i believe one of the best ways we can do that is to build sanctuary cities in their country where they can also practice their religion. And, you know, we talked last hour about the uh, National Religious Freedom uh, Conference uh, that, con- that uh, Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, spoke at. Um, build sanctuary cities. And this is applicable to those who are escaping from oppression, not just those who uh, want to come to another nation or want to just have, just simply they want to have a better life. These are people that are absolutely escaping slavery and oppression and we should find ways to try to help them. And we read about sanctuary cities, that, that term will sound familiar to you, not just from what you uh, hear here in America, where some cities have claimed to be sanctuaries. But of course we read about that in Numbers, and in Joshua, Joshua chapter 20, sanctuary cities that were set up. So should we as Christians support those who were oppressed? Yes, absolutely we should. We should do what we can to protect and defend them, But does that mean that it's always best for them to come to America? Is that best in the long run for the most number of people? The Lord instructs Moses, give them cities of refuge. He says, give them to the Levites in their own land, so that when the Israelites must flee into Canaan, they may have cities of refuge given to them. God's people, we should be compassionate toward those who are oppressed, and, uh, and, and in slavery and under abusive situations, no doubt about it. Isaiah tells us, um, don't betray those who have escaped. Let the refugees stay among you. Hide them from our enemies until the terror is past. We'll move on to the New Testament when we come back. And we welcome you back in uh, for our final half hour here on this Wednesday evening. We start at 5, we finish at 7. That means we're 75% through Uh, with this program, and uh, as much as you've been with us, we sure do appreciate it. We've uh, visited with Alabama Policy Institute Stephanie Smith last hour and uh, talked about some important issues uh, concerning our state, and uh, we encourage you to go back and find that later. It'll be there at our podcast. Also, if you missed our conversation, two-hour conversation last night with uh, Brian Taylor, uh, who's a candidate for Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. We do encourage you to go back and uh, find that one as well. We uh, spent the first hour talking much about the um, uh, the courts and uh, his the reasons he's running for chief justice, and then the second hour we uh, just really leaned on him to give us his perspective, his history, his experience uh, working through the uh, Riley and the Ivy administration uh, as an attorney. Uh, on the gambling issue. He, got, he, he's, he was right in the middle of it back during the Riley administration. And those of you been around a little while, you remember that those were uh, critical moments. And really the last time that the law was really enforced from a state level, uh, you know, throughout the state uh, that we actually went and said, no, this is against the law and uh, let's stop it. You know, there's been hit and miss and some have done what they could, but we haven't had a governor who, uh, who insisted that enforcement be a, a major platform uh, of gambling and and everything that comes along with it. So uh, it was two good hours and uh, those will be there for you as well. And Stephanie Smith is there. Now we're talking immigration. I was given some verses from the old Testament that tell us, yes, we should be compassionate toward those who, uh, who are, um, uh, being oppressed, uh, those who find themselves, um, in, uh, in slavery and abuse. Uh, you don't turn those people right back over to their abusers. Um, but there's different ways to do it. Does that mean that uh, anyone who feels like they want a better life should just be welcomed into any country they want to be in? It doesn't mean that. Uh, it means that we as a people or individuals, first of all, should be compassionate to these people. And I believe that Americans uh, are the most compassionate people in the world when it comes to the plight of other of people in other nations. Uh, if you look at the money that uh, America has spent uh, helping other nations uh, feeding people, propping up uh, governments so people uh, do not uh, go without, and overturning um, evil regimes. If you just look at the money, the the lives, the lives that have been lost, American lives, doing such a thing, uh, you find that America really does uh, has had a compassionate heart on these issues, and uh, and that is the way we should be. We sh- we should not be hard nosed. We shouldn't be. Um, you know, in, uh, uncompassionate, not care, uh, you know, flimsy about uh, people who are suffering. It should break our heart to see people suffering, uh, whether they are um, uh, of our, in our nation, whether they're Americans or non-Americans, whether they're Christians or non-Christians or adherents to some other religion. Uh, it should break our heart to see people um, live under evil rulers and, and live in, a, and live in a poverty, and, uh, and have to fear for their lives each and every day, and, and I hope it does for you. So I think that's a good way to think about this, is we have to be compassionate. Now, in the New Testament, let's think about immigration. Um, did you know that Jesus um, grew up in another land? Of course he did. Uh, Jesus and his parents, because of um, King Herod, they fleed to where? To Egypt. Jesus spent his childhood years in a foreign land, away from his family, his relatives, and among people that spoke a different language and had different customs and different religion than his family. Jesus grew up in a foreign land. He grew up in Egypt, and he did. He was escaping uh, violent uh, oppression as Herod set out to to kill all the boys you know born under a certain age to uh, to make sure that uh, this one that was prophesied to be would not live Uh, jesus was compassionate he said blessed are those who are persecuted Uh, jesus said in matthew chapter 7 and everything do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law and the prophets i mean you say you just put it all together do unto others what you'd have them do unto you uh what What you've done to the least, you've done to me. Uh, The Bible tells us to uh, love our neighbor as ourselves and to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we see passages that, when you think about them through the lens of immigration, when you see them through the lens of of supporting uh, people of different lands, uh, certainly this has been the heart of America through its entire existence. Uh, America is a land of people that came from other places, certainly is. The, the large majority of uh, the people, most of us don't have to trace our heritage back very far uh, to find our our uh, forefathers and our families who, uh, who came from other places. Don't have to look very far. Uh, most of us uh, only have a couple of generations in this land. So our people came here. Uh, you remember, uh, and we talked about a lot about language. Uh, you remember on the day of Pentecost, when the spirit burst forth in power, uh, brought unity across many diverse languages and people, remember? And, uh, the text says something like tongues of fire rest on the disciples and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit came, what they'd been waiting for, what Jesus had promised and, uh, like the folks uh, building the Tower of Babel, these first disciples, they lived in their own context of an empire, the Roman Empire. And the Romans were well known for world domination plans. That's what they had. And the peace that comes from uh, conquering everyone. And so the Romans also had their towering buildings. It, it, it's, it's like a Bible. Uh, they even had one language. What language? It was Greek. But instead of everyone learning how to speak Greek, Uh, when the Spirit came, it disrupted the norms of power by bursting forth and therefore affirmed countless little-known local dialects. And so Jews from all across the Middle East are gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Weeks, the 50th day after Passover. And they're astonished because they've come from cities uh, from all over the region, uh, Mesopotamia, uh, Cappadocia, and they've come from the islands of places like Crete, and they've come from the deserts of Arabia. And despite their cultural and linguistic differences, they all somehow miraculously understand one another. You see what, uh, what God's power brings? It's significant um, that um, the Roman and the Jewish elites uh, are all speaking. Um, that's what you would expect at a major festival. Uh, they're they're not the ones that are speaking. And then we find who is speaking. It's the Galileans. They're the first ones. They were the rural, uneducated, working class fishermen, carpenters, who all of a sudden learned more languages than most educated Greek philosophers. And it's a powerful vision of unity that celebrates rather than destroys the differences among people. So uh, this is not the power of rome but it was the power of god that brought people together and so our our current immigration policies unfortunately perpetuate the Babel and the roman inspired exclusion of those who are linguistically or ethnically different from us and and families do do suffer we see that all around the world not not just america around the world this is a bigger issue than just america although we're dealing with it Uh, people want to come here, you know, uh, other countries deal with it in other ways. Uh, They have to keep people in, we have to keep people out, or we have to at least have a process by which people can come in the right way. Uh, Acts 17 says he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. Uh, God is sovereign over history and over nations. Hebrews tells us to keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so some have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who were mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. So, we we see sort of the heart of scripture of how we're to love people and treat people, and you know, uh, my heart, m- m- uh, my frustration is not with the people who come here; um, it, it's with the people who um, who allow this to happen, because many of them are coming and they're, they're they're in greater danger to come here than they are to stay where they are. But uh, our encouragement and our policy. And our lack of enforcement of our border are, are encouraging people to take great risk to come to, them, to, come to this land. And, and people are willing to take it because of the opportunities that are here. Now, just because our heart it suffers with people, uh, just because we, uh, we care for those who have been mistreated, uh, we care for refugees who truly are uh, escaping uh, dangerous situations, that certainly happens. Uh, does it mean that a nation should not have l- limits on migrants that that is totally acceptable uh, at some point if you allow everyone to come to one place uh, then that place is not going going to be able to support all of those people and then you've got a whole nother set of problems so things have to be done in an orderly way uh, we live in a cosmopolitan world there's no diff- no doubt about it uh, and that is a strength. That is something we love. Uh, look, pe- people love to eat, uh, you know, foods from different lands and, uh, and enjoy uh, customs and, and, uh, and even language and music from other lands. We love to travel to other lands. There, there's beauty in that diversity. Uh, it was, uh, that wasn't God's original plan, but God has redeemed that. And there's something wonderful about it. Uh, but in our day, uh, we have what I think we must recognize as a spirit of Babel. I talked about it last segment. It's alive and well. Uh, men still crave government solutions to spiritual problems. And at the heart of this is a mi- misdiagnosis of the most basic problem. And that's man's problem is not really their environment where they find themselves, but it's sin. And so the solution to all of this begins with spiritual redemption, not social reform or state-imposed order. Uh, That's not where it starts. Those those things have a role, but that's not where it starts. We have to start and see that we live in a sinful world and we have to deal with it from that perspective. Uh, Nations are comprised of individuals and the solution requires changes of heart. And only God can do that. The government can't. Uh, You remember that the, the, the Jewish people, the Hebrew nation, insisted on a king. They wanted a king that had vast powers and authority like their pagan counterpart nations had. Uh, while Samuel pleaded for them to remain self-governing under God, uh, you know they wanted this king. And so God gave them what they wanted, the totali- totalitarian Roman Empire, arose in large part as a response to the perceived inefficiencies and weaknesses of a decentralized Republic. That's how the Roman empire sort of rose. Um, and we have to sort of understand this as a spiritual problem and not so much as a, a social problem. Now America has a responsibility uh, to its own people and to the quality of life of its own people. And, to protect its own citizens. And when you allow people uh, unchecked, unfettered, who are sinful, okay, all of us are sinful. So we're allowing sinful people across the border. And, uh, you know, when they come across the border, uh, a certain amount of them bring uh, sinful attitudes and sinful uh, intentions with them. You know, never mistake that people who will break the law to come into your nation, uh, they will break the law while they're in your nation. You know they have set the precedent, and uh, you know if people come without an attitude of integrating, learning language and customs and laws, uh, then you have a problem, and it's going to cause a uh, it's going to cause a long term problem in that land, and so while we suffer and we hurt with those who, uh, who uh, find themselves in horrible situations around the world. Some do that. Our, our doors have always been open in this country, but there is a right way to do it, and there's an order to it. And, uh, and God, is, as we read all of these scriptures, you see that God is a God of order, and there's an order to it. And what we have going on on our border now is not order. It's chaos. It's absolute, unadulterated chaos on the border, And we know who's in charge of chaos. And so we need righteousness to rule. Because when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people groan. And so while America is a melting pot of diverse people from many lands who work together, that have built and preserved and protected a land that is known and characterized by freedom and opportunity and optimism. That's why people want to come here. Uh, We must, we have a responsibility to keep it that way as well and, uh, and deal with issues, help, help people, but do it in the right way. If it's not done in the right way, ultimately we will not be able to help people. And so, uh, people who, who migrate or immigrate, uh, they're not just, let's just don't see that as a problem. Okay. It is a problem. I think we've outlined that it is a problem because people are in sinful situations, harmful situations, evil situations. So there is a problem, but for every problem, there's an opportunity. And so we must see that as an opportunity, uh, us as individual believers. If we have people that, uh, that move into our, our communities or our schools or our churches want to play ball in our leagues, we should treat those people with respect. Um, we, we should we should love them with the love of God, just as we would anywhere, anyone. They are no different than us. They are sinners in need of a savior. And for some of them, coming to America would be the way they would find the Lord. Theodore Roosevelt's ideas on immigrant, immigrants um, from 1907. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to close out And read that for you. Theodore Roosevelt's Ideas on Immigrants and Being an American in 1907. I'll read that for you when we come back on the other side. And we finish up uh, here with our Wednesday evening Bible study. If you want to send us a prayer request, Wednesday evening prayer, you can do that, 205-941-1011. We've had several uh, come in here, and uh, we'll be praying for those. We'll pray for you as well, as uh, general or specific as you'd like. We will pray. We don't share It's confidential. We don't say anything on the air. Put anything out. We'll just pray for you, and that'll be it. And if you want to follow back up and let us know uh, any updates along the way, feel free to do so. Uh, We've been talking immigration, just uh, looking at various uh, passages from the Bible, and uh, sort of trying to cultivate a a a biblical heart uh, for uh, for those who uh, who find themselves um, coming to a new land, a new nation, with maybe even a new language. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt's ideas on immigrants and being an American in 1907, here's what he said, 1907. In the first place, we should insist that if the immigrant who comes here in good faith becomes an American and assimilates himself to us, he shall be treated on an exact equality with everyone else. For it is an outrage to discriminate against any such man because of creed or birthplace or origin. But this is predicated upon the person's becoming In every facet, an American, and nothing but an American. There can be no divided allegiance here. Any man who says he's an American, but something else also isn't an American at all. We have room for but one flag, the American flag. We have room but for one language here, and that is the English language. And we have room for but one sole loyalty, and that is a loyalty to the American people. Uh, Pretty interesting from over 100 years ago. Uh, I have attended naturalization ceremonies. They are a beautiful thing when you see that people have went through the process uh, to say, I want to be uh, a part of that people. And um, look, something's got to be done. We've got to absolutely have a broken system. We have for a long time. Uh, All the negotiating you see being done right now in D.C. is just political points is all it is. Uh, But we've got to find an acceptable solution for the millions and millions of undocumented, illegal people living in our nation. Um, The the two extremes of uh, deportation and amnesty are always played against one another. And that results in a stalemate in Congress. That's exactly what we see right now. Neither of these two extremes are really appropriate. They're not workable. To force all those here legally to leave is not politically viable, not, not, nor is it humanitarian. But to offer blanket amnesty and citizenship to those who broke our laws to come into our country, who haven't respected what it means to be an American and, and follow the uh, the ways of America, is uh, is disrespectful to the rule of law. And so, a solution that respects the rule of law, that treats immigrants in our nation compassionately and also furnishes them a way to, uh, to become a legal status is going to have to happen eventually or the nation is going to fall upon itself. Now, but I think before we can deal with that issue here in the nation, the people that are here, we have to shut off the flow of new people still arriving because if you deal with the ones that are here, but you're still allowing new people to come in undocumented, unverified, unnumbered, uncounted. If you if you continue to let that happen, and you still got the same problem. You have you fix it, but you allow it to continue at the same time, and that can't happen. Remember, um, one day we will uh, be together. Revelation chapter seven tells us that there was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were wearing right robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And those were people of a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language. The gospel is really the answer. The gospel is the answer. And those Angels were standing around the throne, and the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped, saying, Amen, praise, glory, and wisdom, and thanks, and honor, and power, and strength to our God forever and ever. Amen. Everything that went wrong in Genesis, all the way back to the Tower of Babel, where the garden in the Tower of Babel, that we talked about, is corrected in Revelation. All right, we'll let it go there, my friends. Send those prayer requests. If you'd like for us to pray for you this evening, 205-941-1011. I'm on the road for a couple of days. Be listening in for Nate, and I'll check in when I can. God bless you.